0: Good morning. Let's start with a prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, let all God's people say amen. You know, it can feel like you are talking to a wall, it can feel like you are talking to yourself, it can feel like you're talking to your imaginary friend Bida. You never see a miraculous sign from heaven, you never see a lightning bolt from heaven, you never ever hear a voice from heaven, you never even hear a voice coming into your own head. So, nothing really seems to change. Nothing really seems to change as you go through this whole process of what looks to be you talking to yourself. So what is this thing called prayer? Well, this morning we encountered Jesus once again speaking to his Father in heaven. In truth, what we encounter this morning is God speaking to God. And it's kind of cool to watch it. And the disciples had picked up on this pattern. And one day, one of his disciples, when he had finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. It has been said that prayer is the heart of the Christian faith. If you're a Calvinist, you might say that. If you're a confessional Lutheran Bible-based Christian, you would be more theologically accurate to say that the heart of the Christian faith is Jesus. Or you could even get away with saying the heart of the Christian faith is the Scriptures, But let's not go there and say that the heart of the Christian faith is prayer. Um, But I do concede, I do concede that prayer can bring an awful lot of unnecessary frustration and anxiety and uncertainty. So let's examine for just a few minutes up front in this sermon, what exactly is this thing called prayer? Well, first of all, it is not a means of grace. It is sacrificial. It is not sacramental. Sacramental comes to God, comes to us from God in His Word and in baptism and in the Lord's Supper. Sacrificial is anything that we offer up to Him. So what that means is you cannot pray your way into heaven. And unless you are including the Word of God within your prayer, your prayer does not have the ability to strengthen your faith. Only the word of God can strengthen your faith. So that's the first thing to remember. Prayer, you cannot pray yourself into heaven. Prayer is not a two-way conversation with God. It's a one-way conversation with God. God does not speak to us in prayer. Now, does that mean that he cannot? He's God. He can do anything he wants to do. But as part of his normal, ordinary means of grace action in this world, he does not respond to you with a voice, Harland, stop praying for more Oreos. He doesn't come to you like that. He's a means of grace God. He uses means that he designed and built into this world to deliver his answers to you. The other thing about prayer is that it, it is not to be used to try to discern the hidden things of God. This is where mysticism comes from. They want to get into God's head more than what he has seen fit to reveal to us in his holy word. That is not your purview. That is not your territory to be able to go there. If God wants you to know something, he's already let you know what it is and it's revealed to you in his word. Also, God prayer is not a contract negotiation with God whereby you are trying to get God to conform himself to your terms and conditions. And many of you right now um, are probably sitting there thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Pastor Gatzinger, time out. That reading from Genesis chapter 13, what was that? That sure sounded like a contract negotiation from God. Alright, without me getting too far afield off the center line of this sermon, Let's just address that. See, this is the time where I think to myself, I should have just preached on Genesis. But I'm not going to leave you hanging on that one. Professor, now sainted Professor Lyle Lang at Martin Luther College taught taught doctrine to all of the teacher track students um, for close to like 35, 37 years. And he ended up finally writing a textbook. And what he said in there about prayer is that from the perspective of the Christian, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. From the prayer of the Christian in time, it appears as though our prayers do indeed get God to change his mind. Except we also know the other truth of the scriptures. God doesn't, is changeless. He not only does not, but he cannot change his mind. Otherwise, he's not God. So what's going on? Lyle Lang suggests a solution to this dilemma that I think is a really elegant solution. God is eternal. He's outside of time. He is timeless, and he is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful. And do you not think that God could look forward into our time and know that Abraham was going to be praying this prayer and answer accordingly? That's the answer to this question. I think it's a very elegant one. But if I left you wondering about that, send me an email, and we'll talk about prayer a little bit more. All right, so it's not a contract negotiation. Prayer is the very voice of faith itself. Your faith wants to express its love and admiration for God. Um, It's the voice of faith, not just with the words of the intellect, but it's also with the sobs of the heart that you go to your Father in prayer. Prayer is also the primary good work of the Christian, the first and foremost good work of the Christian. It's not only love for God, because we're following His command, but it's also I'm including love for my neighbor because I'm including my neighbor in this prayer. Later in this service, we're going to pray a prayer for Pastor and Mrs. Kiffner. And it was asked for by a son who loves his parents and is concerned about his parents. That's love for neighbor. That's love for family. Prayer is so important that we are told to pray without ceasing and not to lose heart. And we'll flesh that out a little bit in a few minutes as well. But simply put, calling upon God's name is praying to God. It's prayer. So why in all the world do we pray? If the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, but yet God has already worked into time and eternity in his great providence of mankind how he's going to deal with that prayer, and God is not changeless. Why, why do I even bother praying? Well, the first and foremost reason is because you're commanded to pray. That is not a contract negotiation. And that should be enough for us, right? We are to follow the command to pray just as we use the commandments of God as a guide and a rule and a norm for our lives to obey those commandments. But there's another reason why we pray, because God has not only invited us to bring our prayers to the creator of the universe and the sustainer of the universe, he's also promised to hear and to answer our prayers. Call upon me in the day of trouble. And how does that first finish? And I will deliver you. Maybe a third reason that we should pray is because there are just times in your life when the burden just becomes too great. You know those times. Husband called home two days before his 52nd birthday. I think that that qualifies as a time that that's a burden that's just way too great. And you need to take up your God on his invitation to come and take that burden and be have it offloaded from you. Have him take it upon himself. And have him remind you that he has said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he does. I have absolutely no doubts that Debbie Rashan prayed fervently while Kevin was in Maycourt Hospice that God perform a miracle and spare his life and rid him of the cancer so that they could have 20, 30, 40 more years together. I'm certain that she prayed that prayer. You know what? God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer better than she could even pray for. He answered that prayer by giving Kevin life, eternal life, resurrected life, and he is with the Savior right now. So here we are this morning, a bundle of needs, a bundle of wants and desires, vexed by the holy trifecta on a pretty regular basis the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. And we humble ourselves. And we come before this great and mighty God of ours, this gracious and loving and merciful God of ours, and we say, Lord, Lord, teach me how to pray. If you want to go in and speak to Prime Minister Trudeau, you do not just march up to Parliament, knock on the door, or not not, knock on the door, and walk into his office to give him here peace of mind. You can't do that. Well, you can do that if you want a vacation in the Innes Road Detention Center, but I wouldn't suggest it. And you can't do that because you don't have the proper credentials for that kind of access, right? Except that Jesus tells his disciples of his day and today gathered here to address him as father. He doesn't say, call him the great grand master of the universe He doesn't say, address him as boss. Don't address him as king. You address him as father. I think that tells you an awful lot of prayer right there, right in the very get-go. When God hears your prayers, he is not viewing your prayers as coming from this poultry peasant or this citizen who has a grievance or as some sort of wimpy whiner. No. He listens to you because of and for the sake of what his son Jesus has done for you. clothed you in that robe of righteousness. Washed you in the blood of the Lamb. Made you holy and, and holy and merciful and gracious in his eyes. At one time there was only Jesus who could rightly call God Father. Right? But now you and I at one time could not call him that at all right we were that rebellious soul that was pitching stones at him trying to beat him in the side of the head from outside of his camp but jesus came and he changed all that god the father said at his baptism this is my beloved son and then he said also on the mount of transfiguration this is my son whom i love and he added listen to him and this is the son who prayed to his father Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So because of Jesus' mission, his perfect life, his innocent death, paying for your sins, fulfilling the law that you could not fulfill, rising from the grave, now the Father has said to you the words that you received at your baptism. Receive the sign of the cross upon the head and upon the heart marking you as a redeemed child of Christ. You see, without Jesus, you would have absolutely no desire to pray the Lord's Prayer. In fact, you would have no desire to pray any prayer whatsoever. So, But now, now when you pray... The Father breathes in that fragrance of His Son, and He is absolutely delighted and and relishes hearing your prayer. So now that you have the proper credentials, what is it that we pray for? Well, the shortened version of Luke's Lord's Prayer. Just as a quick aside, you'll probably notice that it sounds different to you from the Lord's Prayer that's recorded in Matthew chapter 6. It is most likely, with all important things in life, Repetition is the mother of learning. Jesus wanted to drive home this prayer and how to pray several times to his disciples. And we know this is not a different version of the same event or location as Matthew's. So Jesus is just modifying a little bit to keep driving home this point of how do you pray. So, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, notice first and foremost about the petitions that are listed here. None of those petitions are praying anything just for me alone not for me exclusively. I think that's the first thing that's also revealing about this prayer and something to take home with your, for yourself this morning. And when you pray to this God in heaven, your expectation is that this God in heaven is not only going to hear your prayer, but he's also going to answer your prayer just as he promised to do. So I would propose that the answer to your Lord's prayer, the answer to any of your prayers for that matter, is Jesus. He's the answer to your prayer. Jesus helps us keep God's name holy by directing us back to this, the word in its truth and purity. Why? Because the pure word in truth and purity keeps your faith alive, but also to be able to equip you so that you can share that word in its truth and its purity. Yeah? Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven down into from earth, down from heaven, into Earth, and He has planted that kingdom of heaven inside your heart, so that he can use you as an instrument of His grace, to be able to speak that word of truth and purity, and perhaps the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will try to work and plant the kingdom of heaven in another person's heart, that you will be used as that tool and that instrument in God's plan of salvation. That's kind of a cool privilege, don't you think? Jesus gives you your daily bread, and he may very well this day give you the opportunity to share it with someone. That's just living out your Christian vocation, your Christian faith. Jesus earned for you the forgiveness of your sins, and this is a refrain that keeps, has been coming up again and again over the last many weeks. That's great. Don't become a navel-gazer. Jesus didn't forgive just your sins. He gave you the ability to forgive other people their sins when they offend you. Jesus guards you from the temptations of that unholy trifecta, the devil, the world, and your sinful flesh, so that you can show others where they can find shelter from their same enemies of the unholy trifecta. All things being equal, let's just summarize it by saying prayer. Prayer begins and it ends with Jesus. Prayer is fulfilled and it is realized only in Jesus. So there is this intimate connection between being fed by the word and then praying to your Father in heaven. The ancient fathers continually, continuously spoke about how prayer was such a labor and it was so hard to do. And that's because it is an active force of fighting against this unholy trifecta. And let me, let me just give you a for instance. And yes, I'm, I'm stealing a, a Luther quote of St. Bernard here, but... It, When we pray the Lord's Prayer here in a few moments, I guarantee you that you're not gonna be able to keep external distractions out of your head. It's just part of being a saint who still sins on this side of heaven. But I'll offer you $10 hard cold cash. If you can pray that Lord's Prayer without any sort of external distraction, and I guarantee you it's gonna go something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, how am I gonna spend Pastor Getzinger's $10? That's what's gonna happen. And not just because I planted this into your head. You might forget in the next seven to 10 minutes It's hard to keep external distractions out of our head while we pray. That's why it's such a labor. So how then shall we pray? Jesus tells this story about a man who has a nighttime visitor, and he goes over to his friend, and he pounds on the door, and he says, I need some bread to be able to feed my late-night visitor. And the man, cutting to the chase, the man finally gets up out of his bed and disturbs his family's sleep and gives his neighbor friend the bread. Not because of the friendship, not because of the bond of love, but simply because of how the new NIV 2011 translates it, his shameless audacity. And that's a good translation for the Greek, except that you hear shameless audacity in the 21st century and you're going, "Ah, so let's just go with bold persistence, He gets up because of his neighbor's bold persistence. He's not gonna give up until he gets the bread, right? So if calling upon God's name is prayer, then persistent praying is regularly and constantly calling upon God for shield and shelter, for peace and protection, for comfort and compassion. Prayer keeps us intimately connected with the source of our life. You keep going back to the water trough of the source of life to God there in prayer. But remember, it's only one-way communication. So human prayer and divine promise, they belong together. They can't be broken apart. They are, they are a tag team, if you want to put it that way. You see, Christian praying begins not with continuous speaking it begins with continuous hearing of our God's words, of our Savior's words. Prayer goes hand in hand with the Word of God, and it cannot work and it cannot be successful without each other. So, to reflect the, the, the Greek nuance ask continuously, seek continuously, and knock continuously without end. Be bold. Be bold like Abraham in our Old Testament lesson this morning. Knowing this, though, knowing that God's giving, your finding, and his opening are not always going to work out on your timetable, right? Bold persistence, shameless audacity requires, at times, a lot of patience to work on, God's timetable, not yours. But pray with confidence. Hold him to his promises. Begin your prayer something like this. I come to you, my dear Father, praying not by my own worthiness because I have none. But I come to you in the name of your Son who showed grace and mercy to me. I come to you also because of your commands and your promises, which cannot fail me, and which cannot mislead me. And then off you go with your prayer. One of my favorite confessional Lutheran theologians is Johann Gerhard, and he wrote this about prayer we may reasonably marvel over the great worthiness of prayer. The Father promises to listen. The Son prays for us, and the Holy Spirit prays in us. The holy angels bring our prayer before God's throne. The Father is the truth. Therefore, we ought not doubt that we are heard. The Son is the righteousness. Therefore, we ought not doubt the power of his intercession. The Holy Spirit is wisdom. Therefore, we ought not be afraid, even if we do not know what we should pray for. For the Spirit intercedes for us. The holy angels are faithful messengers. Therefore, we ought not doubt that our prayers will come before God's throne. That's about as far as I'm going to take you today on the topic of prayer. It's a broad, deep, wide, and high subject that we could, we could spend the next six weeks talking about, but that's as far as I'm going to take you today because I want you to start practicing again if you've fallen away from it. When you awaken in the morning and you slap those warm feet against the cold hardwood floor and it kickstarts your heart one more day, I want you to have the first thought in your mind of thank you, Lord, for making me a child of baptism and making me a child of your kingdom. And before you chomp into that first egg McBagel that you're going to make for yourself for breakfast, I want you to take a moment to remember that we pray and thank him for our daily bread and at lunch and at dinner. I want you to remember to keep in your prayers the Roshan family. Do it. That was a gospel, do it. You really need to keep them in your prayers. But at the end of the day, praying is an awful lot, like Walter Mellon said, it's like an awful lot like rocking in a rocking chair. Um, All this talk about prayer is kind of like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives us something to do for 17 to 22 minutes for a sermon, but honestly, it it really doesn't get us anywhere. It just kind of gets stuff out, right? So, The long and the short of it is, I can pray for you, but I can't pray your prayers for you. So open up that dialogue. Well, it's not even a dialogue. I just told you it was one way. Start your prayer life. Kickstart that prayer life of yours. And talk to your Father in heaven. Talk to him like Abraham talked to, spoke to and prayed to God with bold persistence and confidence that you will be heard. And... You don't have to, but it's probably a good idea to begin your prayer the same way Jesus instructed his disciples to begin their prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. And then go from there. And then rest in the promise and the confidence that God will take that prayer and he will work it for your eternal good. May God bless your prayer life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. I direct your eyes to page four of your service folder, and we